it it amazes me how still scared people are to try it try it as a side gig put it out there see what you can do how many hours a week can you can you dip your toe in the water and that's how i started and it's turned into a whole wonderful career what's the back end of healthcare tech all about why should nurses understand it embrace it not be afraid of it and see the opportunities that are out there let's talk all about it right here on episode 385 of the nurse keith show Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is all about you, your personal and professional development, your nursing and healthcare career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of nursing, healthcare, entrepreneurship, technology, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride. And I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, please consider leaving a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please also consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. I appreciate my patrons and reviewers so very much. Please head over to nursekeith.com to the podcast drop-down menu to see the show notes for this episode. And we are here with Diane Cannon, DNP, M-H-A-R-N, of ZappyMed. And we'll be talking about her work with ZappyMed and all of the stuff she's done throughout her career. And Diane, we're here to talk about tech. And you and I were talking just before we were recording, and I asked you if nurses are afraid of technology. And you said that there are some out there. What kind of fears do you see and what do you hear from nurses who like hmm, feel like the whole tech thing's a little sketchy? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm a big fan and, and very excited to be on your podcast with you. Thank you. What I found um, from nurses who have have expressed fear or um, maybe some trepidation in the technology. They've either had bad experiences in the past where the technology was handed to us as nurses, developed by um, non-clinical people, and so it actually made our work harder. Um, there are nurses who really didn't come of age uh, in our in their nursing career as um, you know, cell phones and, and um, all the latest technology and AI and VR started booming. And they're just not really up on the latest um, information about what it can do and what the benefits are. So there's a little fear, maybe some misunderstanding. Um, and then there's, you know, there's always those nurses who have the mindset of, well, this is the way we've always done it. So it's fine how it is. And I'll just, you know, keep using my, I always had a little brain paper, um, piece of paper when I took care of my patients. But I always remind those nurses, yes, but then we have electronic health records that you have to turn around and put that in. So there's a balance, I think, that we can find. Mm -hmm. And in terms of that balance, um, some people feel like there's a lot of imbalance out there and technology is great 
It makes our lives easier on many levels, but we also know the ways in which it makes our lives more complicated. Just yesterday, I did a webinar for a company out there who wanted healthcare professionals to get some information about the expectations of a 24-hour workday, especially for providers, you know, prescribers, doctors, nurse practitioners, et cetera, who feel like they have to be on all the time. So I guess that's part of the shadow of technology is the ways in which it can kind of make us feel like we can never turn it off. But in terms of the positives, you know, the opportunities that are out there, what are you seeing for nurses specifically that are the opportunities that someone who has an interest, who really sees technology as something that they can leverage perhaps in their career, what do you think is happening out there? And, and what can that person do if they feel like, yeah, I'd like to kind of, you know, I'd like to, to get into this on some level? Sure. And, and, you know, to your point, technology is not um, the thing that's going to save nursing. Uh, technology is just a tool in whatever form that comes in. And the thing that is most important for nurses who are looking to get into this field is what's the culture of the company that's either building the technology, if that's the path they're looking at, or if they're getting into a healthcare or, or healthcare organization-based um, side um, department, whether that's uh, health IT or informatics or um, you know, large organizations have their own uh, branches of, of venture capitalists and, and, and developing their own technology, I think it all boils down to do your personal values and your nursing values align with whatever company or organization that you're working with? And if they're hiring you for your nursing expertise, is, are they really wanting your input or are they just hiring to have a nurse on the board or mm. a nurse in the department? So I think that's where it has to start. Ooh, good question and good point there about are you being hired just because they can tick that box, right? Or are you being hired because they really want to listen? And you said at the very beginning, just a few minutes ago, that you know a lot of nurses feel like they've gotten burned by technology because we end up with devices or technologies at the bedside that we didn't have a hand in designing. And they were designed by someone who has no idea what it's like to be at the bedside. So I think these tech companies who have nurses on staff who are there to beta test and check things out and make sure they're they're like nurse friendly and that we can actually use them in real time is important. So I, I've known nurses who've gotten jobs in informatics, for instance, which tends to be more like database building and things like that, and you know data analysis. So that's interesting for people who like that kind of stuff and they they know different you know software languages and things. But what else what else is out there? And what can people become subject matter experts in? As nurses? Absolutely. One of the um, positive things for nursing that's come out of the pandemic 
is really um, opening up of more virtual roles for nurses to take that seat at the table, whether it's, um, well, for example, with me, my uh, one of my first ventures into health tech um, was with a virtual reality company, hmm. helping them create uh, nursing training simulations in virtual reality. And previously, um, before the pandemic, I mean, I live in Oklahoma. There is not, and, and in rural Oklahoma, there's not a virtual reality company in my small town. This was not a job that um, I could have aspired to do, or, or it would have been really difficult to find. And so I think because um, nursing and healthcare is kind of blown up through the pandemic, if a nurse is wanting to look for those type of virtual tech health jobs, um, LinkedIn is a great place. You know, there's great sites indeed. But again, you have to know what you're going to be a subject matter expert in and what your passion is and what your experience is and how you want to see that used. Um, for me personally, and I know a lot of the nurse leaders that I have connected with and you yourself, you know, we're in it for nursing. We really, really are once a nurse, always a nurse. And um, to become a subject matter expert in the health tech field, it takes you looking inwardly to figure out what it is that I want to do. Do I want to work virtually? Do I need to go into a into a place uh, physically every day? Do I need a hybrid um, schedule? What kind of schedule works for me and for my family? And, you know, that's been the beauty of nursing from day one, the great flexibility, the different educational and career paths. And it's no different if someone decides they want to get into health tech. Yeah. And you've been doing a lot of different things. You're you're an educator, you're an entrepreneur, a consultant, you've been a professor, speaker, podcaster, you write content. So you've had this entrepreneurial venture that you've been embarked on. You've also worked in the ED and oncology and infusion and case management and hospice. So you've been around in terms of the direct care. I've been around. <laughs> top type of spaces, right? So... And you've been in leadership, you know, at Ohio State, University of Oklahoma, Northern Oklahoma College. So, you know, and you're now Dr. Cannon. Um, when did you get your DNP and what was your DNP a focus on? Was it, um, was it more tech oriented or was it clinical? You know, what did you, how did you kind of position yourself with a DNP? Because a lot of nurses out there are interested. Like, is that sort of the direction I might want to go? Sure. So so for me, um, at the time that I started my DNP, um, I was teaching nursing. And I had previously taught at Ohio State. And when I taught there, I had a master's in healthcare administration. And they were very forward-thinking and innovative and uh, wanted people with different backgrounds, nurses with different backgrounds. And it's not the same. Uh, the rules are not the same in every state. And so when I moved back to Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma says, no, um, 
you to be qualified to teach, you have to have a master's in nursing or higher. And so I knew I wanted to continue to teach and I didn't want to get another master's degree. I found the DNP program at Oklahoma City University and just fell in love with the instructors, really. And, and it was a flexible program. Um, and it really helped me, I think, from a holistic standpoint, because that that's really truly the place where I come from. Healthcare is not just taking care of patients. There are budgets and there are financial issues, but then there's also the philosophy of healthcare and there's the spirituality. And so my doctoral project was um, because of my background in oncology, it was increasing uh, awareness and understanding of medical cannabis in end of life care. And at the time, the state of Oklahoma had just legalized medical cannabis. So it was, um, it was a little daring. I was a little nervous about undertaking this, but I knew my patients' experiences with it and the benefits that that I had seen. And I really think that education is power. And yes, we can have our personal beliefs. But if we have the education and understanding about how to just talk to our patients, that's what's important. And so that was my project. I worked with a hospice organization that had both outpatient and inpatient facilities, did all their legal research, talked to the board of nursing, um, and helped them create their cannabis policy for not only their nursing staff, but also how to deal with it and chart with it with their patients, just to really have a more open dialogue. I think from what we were talking about prior, many of us might have thought you would have done a DNP, you know, kind of tech related. That's what I was alluding to mm -hmm. in my question. It's mm -hmm. interesting. You went in a different direction and, you know, you teach medical cannabis pharmacology at the at the college level, right? I do. I just mm -hmm. this last semester, uh, the University of Oklahoma College of Nursing, uh, for the first time, had me uh, teach in their pharmacology course, medical cannabis, both for their undergraduate as well as their uh, nurse practitioner programs. I think that's important because you know as it gets legalized and more and more states, then we need to be prepared to talk about it. And we're not, that's not the, the direction of this particular interview. And I've talked about it here on the show before, but just to sure. point out that there's a lot of opportunities out there and cannabis nursing is a thing. And, you know, if people are looking for opportunities and what's kind of cutting edge, like what's kind of happening right now, you know, tech is really happening right now in healthcare and cannabis is really happening. So there are a lot of ways in which you can position yourself. And so it's interesting that you've, you've been in like the educational world, you've been in the acute care, you know, right there with the patient world. And you also have this whole entrepreneurial and consulting arm of your your professional life and you're CEO of Canon Consulting so you work with healthcare education technology companies and that focuses mostly on VR right virtual reality right so it it, it I've done different things with my consulting so the the first uh, step was the VR consulting 
but then I've also, you know, it's LinkedIn is a is an interesting place, and you you can really kind of go down some rabbit holes. And um, I was contacted by a company out of Mumbai, India, who needed uh, education courses created and curriculum content. And I was a little leery. And of course, you know, as we all nurses should do, I did my research and found out that they were actually subcontracted through a very well-known nursing education delivery organization. And so I was doing, uh, I was still teaching nursing through India for a company in the Healthstream, ATI, Lippincott, EBSCO world, mm-hmm. let's just say. Interesting. Yeah. So um, speaking of LinkedIn, it's a type of technology, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of a LinkedIn evangelist when it comes to nurses and nursing and healthcare. And if you want to be contacted by an organization or headhunted, or you want to meet really cool people doing cool things, which is kind of how I meet so many people, including you, I think. Yep. So, you know, um, it's it's this little ecosystem and it is technology. And a lot of nurses tell me, like, you know, I don't do social media or or I don't do, you know, I don't, I don't do technology or, you know, I don't like computers or phones or whatever it is, smartphones. But LinkedIn is a place where as much as there's more kind of spammy stuff out there now and that sort of thing still it's really one of the few places where you can meet so many interesting people right so i don't think that organization in mumbai contacted you because you had a bare bones uh um, profile without a headshot and without a good headline and without you know a pretty robust um, amount of information on there right that's correct. And, and, you know, that's how ZappyMed contacted me as well through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So all three of my uh, big health tech uh, contracts have come through LinkedIn. And it's really important. I, I knew going into it, what wording, I mean, you have to understand how the algorithms work. You have to understand kind of how search engines work. And so if someone's searching for a subject matter expert, uh, let's say for the VR company, I, at that time, that's, you know, what I was looking to do. I made sure that I put on my uh, profile, subject matter expert, skills and competencies, simulation expert, uh, virtual simulation. So all of those uh, keywords that, that, the, uh, that the search engine's going to find the more of those that you have on there, the higher up you're going to pop. And it's been really successful for me. And, and you know, I, I've had some friends that I'm helping along in their consulting career, not to the extent anywhere that you're doing, Nurse Keith, but it, it amazes me how still scared people are to try it. Mm-hmm. Try it as a side gig. Put it yeah. out there. See what you can do. How many hours a week can you can you dip your toe in the water? And that's how I started. And it's turned into a whole wonderful career. Yeah. And that's really awesome. And many of us are doing that. And right. I started with a tiny, tiny little side hustle, right? Little tiny side hustle years ago. And I slowly built it over time. 
and I kept my other jobs, you know, and kept working as a nurse. And now I do mostly my entrepreneurial ventures. And then I do a little bit of nursing on the side. So it, it flipped, but it took me about six or seven years to flip it completely. And that was fine. I was cool with that. Mm-hmm. Some people move much faster, but I'm, I'm kind of slow and steady. So before we take a break, I want to ask you a question. So in terms of nurse entrepreneurship and doing something a little different and, you know, being that nurse who like wants to do something that's kind of cool and kind of, kind of novel and, and maybe not what other people would think a nurse was even capable of doing. Let's just say it that way. Um, let's say it the nice way. Um, there's lots of questions people can ask about why a nurse is doing something when they think, why would a nurse be involved in such a thing? Um, you have this philosophy about looking beyond the bedside whether it's entrepreneurship or not, it could be non-entrepreneurial, it could be just in tech, but not as a your self-employed person and not apologizing for it. So what is that about? And why do you think it's important when we do something different to not feel like we have to apologize or make excuses for our choices? I'm so glad you asked that. That that's really one of the one of the things that I've always spoken to my nursing students about, my nurse peers, my family. There's not just one cookie cutter way to be a nurse. I mean, what does what is a nurse? What does a nurse do? How long do you have? That's one of the things that I've been hired to do by these tech companies because there's so many different things that nurses can do. And so for me, I've never given up my nursing identity. I've been a nurse for over 25 years, and I proudly wear that badge. Someone asks me what I do. The first thing I say, oh, I'm a nurse. And then they say, oh, well, where do you work? Well, I do a lot of different things. Currently, I'm working on this project, and I've done this and that. What, what interests, you know, how, what do you need to know? And I'll reach back in my files if I can and see if I can help you, or are, you, or are we just having a conversation? So I think um, it bothers me when I see people apologizing, nurses apologizing by saying, I just can't take it anymore at the bedside. I, I'm, I need to either leave the profession or I'm so sorry, I can't stand it. Um, I cry every night, especially I heard this through the pandemic. Um, I'm, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one should ever apologize for feeling that their current job, because it's the job, it's not the career, right? It's not the nursing profession, that the current job that they're doing is making them miserable. Mm-hmm. Change it. Yeah. Change it. That right now, there are so many options. When I first became a a nursing instructor, I was of a mindset because this is what I was taught. You should at least do one to two years of med surge after you graduate, and then you can figure out what you want to do. And I have really done a 180 because we learn so many things in nursing, depending on what our background is, what our other degrees are, what our experiences, our life, our learned experience. Take that with your nursing education because it's the education, mm-hmm. right? It's not that 
the experience is great, but if you, why would I need to be a bedside med surge nurse for a full year if I know that I want to go into informatic informatics? I didn't pay you to say this, by the way. <laughs> no, but we, you and I agree on this. I think um, I've listened to some of your previous podcasts and, and yeah. nursing can be what you make it. And nursing has so many needs. See a need, fill a need. Yeah. See a need, fill a need. I love that. That's what a lot of nurse entrepreneurs are doing right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really cool thing. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about virtual reality and enhanced reality and AI and just get your take on that because it's not going away anytime soon. Um, And I want to talk about Zappy Med and also just the whole notion of a nurse being able to ride that line between tech and healthcare and kind of position themselves as a liaison between the two worlds. So does that sound okay? Sounds great. Yeah. So when we come back, we'll be back to talk about that and more here on the second half of episode 385 of the Nurse Keith Show with my friend, Dr. Diane Cannon. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again with friend of the pod and my new friend, Dr. Diane Cannon. And Diane, prior to the break, we're talking about, you know, not apologizing for the fact that you're a nurse who doesn't necessarily do nursey things anymore, whatever nursey things are, or who doesn't put their hands on patients anymore, which you can still be a nurse if you want to be one and identify as one. And we talked about fears around technology and how, you know, these things are here to stay. So we can be afraid of them, but they're still going to be there. So we can't hide our heads under the virtual sand forever. Though, like you said, there are people who have said to you directly, but that's the way we've always done it. Right. And and I've even written about how those are some of the most dangerous words in healthcare, especially when it comes to patient care, but any aspect of healthcare. So the first thing I want to talk about is what do you see in the people out there who are what we call digital natives? They're people who were born in the age of, you know, all these devices and technologies were already there and they were essentially born with smartphones and tablets in the home from the day they came home from the hospital or the birthing center. So what are you seeing in those folks who are digital natives? Well, I think in those folks, it's an expectation. Mm-hmm. It, it's not an exception to the rule. It's an expectation that technology, especially when it comes to nursing and healthcare, where else but healthcare uh, would technology be most helpful? And so in those folks who have always had a smartphone or have always had a laptop of their own, you know, I, I started nursing school and we were the very first cohort to do any online nursing. And it was a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a given now, right? Yeah. And so... So I think we have to, from a leadership standpoint, if we're if we're thinking about the problems and the issues in nursing, from retention and 
um, attracting new nurses and the nurses coming out of school and the academic practice partnerships, those students expect technology. They expect to use a smartphone. If they pull their smartphone, you know, if they pull their phone out on the, on the nursing unit, nine times out of 10, they don't have time to be looking at Facebook and social media. They are maybe checking um, a, a compatibility right there on their phone, or they're, they're doing something to help them in their nursing work. And I remember I used to do that. And you know, we would get in trouble. You can't have your you can't have your phone out. You have to go in the break room. You have to go hide around the corner to do it. And and what I have learned as as an instructor and in having those digital natives as my students, if you have again open, honest dialogue, if you walk into your patient's room and your patient asks you a question better to pull your phone out and say, you know what, that's a really great, great question. I'm going to pull my phone out. Let's both look this up. And you can see I'm not, you know, not surfing my social media. I'm going to go to WebMD or I'm going to go to a, a, a valuable, reputable site and I'm going to answer your question. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we do away with the fear and understand that that negativity that's what rules are for, right? But you don't have to enforce those rules until they're broken. So don't assume someone's breaking mm-hmm. those rules if they've not shown you any pattern of behavior that they are doing it. So I think having just some of those open conversations and the same for nursing professors, you know, there are a lot of... um professors, because you look at the average age of a nursing professor, I think it's 50 and over. That's the average age right now of the, of the nursing population as a whole. So 50 and over is a different generation than the students who are 18, 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. We have to have a, a a meeting of the mind somewhere. We do. We totally do. And, you know, and we're, when we talk about digital natives, we're talking about Gen Zers for sure. And then probably some of the, like the youngest millennials, most likely. Right. So, you know, those people are slowly moving into positions of power and they will be more and more. So this won't be as much of an issue over time, though the generations coming after them will will have new technologies at their fingertips that we don't even think about right now anyway. So there's always some kind of change happening. So I, I want to talk about this notion of um, being a liaison between the tech world and the healthcare world. And if I'm, say I'm a I'm a Gen Z nurse or a millennial nurse or an, an older nurse who's in their 40s or 50s. Um, though actually the oldest millennials are now around 40. But if I'm an older nurse, even who it has great facility with computers and really understands the tech world and and would like to kind of navigate that space in between the two, what are the opportunities out there to do that? Is it mostly as a consultant, or do you think there are healthcare um, systems and you know big employers or medium-sized employers who want to hire nurses who have that mindset and skill set? 
I think there's both. And I think that if, uh, if a nurse is looking to do something like that, again, I would always say, what do you need for your life? What's going to fit your life? Are you looking for, do you have to have a full-time position with benefits, healthcare, and those type of things? And so if that's what you need for your life, then you're going to be looking at uh, either a, a company that's going to be having those benefits or a large healthcare organization that's going to have those benefits. If you um, don't need those, are able to... Uh, either have health insurance through your spouse or buy it yourself or whichever way you choose to go, then consulting makes you the boss of yourself and allows you greater freedom from what I found, greater freedom to um, be a little more fearless in the, the roles you take on, the projects you choose. It gives more of a of a, a choice to you as the consultant to turn something down, to negotiate your fee, to negotiate how many hours, um, what it involves. Does it involve going to conferences? Um, you know, when I first started with Zappy Med, uh, they hired me as a consultant because they really wanted to understand uh, nursing and the U.S. healthcare system. They're a global company based out of Australia. So their healthcare system is a little bit different than ours, and they were stuck in the pandemic on a country, in a country they couldn't get out of, right? That consultancy proved such a great partnership that it's evolved into full-time work for me with them as the director of uh, clinical education and innovation. But I've had other um, contracts that I tested them out a little bit. And I did some work for them and it didn't turn out to be either what they, it wasn't the right fit. And so you can just cancel that contract. It's a little different when you are hired by a large healthcare organization into a full-time position, you've gone through orientation and, you know, so that, that takes a little bit, it's, it's a different mindset. Yeah, it definitely is. And Zappy Med. Um, it's X-A-P-I-M-E-D. And you told me that X-A-P-I is actually a, a software language, right? Yes. Yeah. And people don't call it Zappy. They call it X-A-P-I. But right. Zappy Med took their name from that. And my understanding is that Zappy Med is a clinical competency management platform. So it kind of digitizes the whole like tracking of an of nurses staff or staff members competencies, um, skills, checklists, onboarding, all that kind of like development stuff that you need to do with your employees. And are they working with healthcare organizations around the world? Because you said they're global, but based in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. So um, ZappiMed is a digital clinical competency management system. It either integrates, and I don't mean to sound all salesperson-y here because that's not my role, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's you know, I wouldn't be working with them if I if I didn't believe in their product and, yeah, and, and see how it can help nursing. But yeah. anything that you would normally do on a paper checklist and then have to go to Excel and put it in a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. this just... Um, digitizes it and it makes it transparent across the whole organization. So 
you're not having to look in, um, you know, a, a share file somewhere for somebody's Excel spreadsheet that's not mm-hmm. updated or is on the third version. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with, of course, uh, healthcare organizations in Australia. We are working with the NHS in the Leeds Trust on a very, very cool project to help that's, them. That's the National Health Service in National England. Health, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, to help them. Uh, they have levels of nursing. And so to try to quantify what skills and competencies, competencies go with each of those levels to establish a baseline for ultimately, like the ultimate goal, wouldn't it be cool to be able to do safe staffing ratios by skill mix? So not only just number, you know, because not every ICU patient is the same. So They're when not? you're trying, no. <laughs> really? So when you're trying to deploy your workforce, you really have a better picture of 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 which nurse does what and wants yeah. to be in different places. So that's cool. Yeah. That's so great. the NHS, Christus Health, Nebraska Med, North Bay, out in California. Yeah. Just That's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have your own consulting business, but now you're working full-time with Zappy Med. So you've got your hands full and obviously they saw benefit in tapping your expertise. And here you are, DNP, working with a global company, doing something really interesting, stimulating, I'm sure, intellectually. So that's that's really awesome for you. And I wanted to to shift gears just a little bit, um, we have to slowly start to wind down. But I want to ask you about virtual reality, which you mentioned earlier. And then there's this thing called enhanced reality, which I honestly admit I don't understand exactly what it is. And I know that in simulation, VR is becoming more of a thing, like nursing uh, clinical competencies, especially like during a pandemic when you can't be face-to-face with patients. So can you talk a little bit about VR and I guess you call it ER, um, right? Um, Or maybe not. Can you talk about them in the context of healthcare and what you're seeing and what you think the possibilities are? Sure, absolutely. So so virtual reality, if you think about... uh, you know, the, the headset that you put on over your eyes, it's basically a computer. Um, and, and the way that your eyes and your brain view uh, what, what it's seeing, it really makes you feel like you are in that space. So if I'm, um, you know, if, if let's say I'm a nurse, nursing student, um, and we're, I can either do it in skills lab, maybe practice at home on how to start an IV. I can practice that over and over and over multiple times. Um, and it's a little gamified mm-hmm. usually because you want to make it fun and, and you want to have that uh, carrot out there for rewards. You can start it over. You, you don't have to buy supplies you don't have to pay for a new building. So from a cost-saving perspective, um, it, it's really, people are seeing the value there. So virtual reality can be for skills. It can be for soft skills. 
um, in, in scenarios on how to deal with difficult patients or how to deliver bad news. You can do it individual, you can do um, multiplayer. So maybe your whole entire uh, clinical group gets together from the comfort of their own home and they can work on, um, let's say, a code blue situation, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's virtual rea- reality. There's many, many different types of that kind of um, technology, whether it's you know holograms or or the the glasses that you put on to where you you still see your let's say I see my office, but then I see a hologram of someone there, so I'm still seeing both real reality and the virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the virtual reality headset, you really are, it is a totally immersive Immersive, technology. So the difference is is in the depth of immersion Mm -hmm. without going into really a whole lot deeper than that. But what's enhanced reality then? Mm, You know, it... I think it, it, it and, and I'm not an expert in that, in that part at all, but there, there are haptics that you can have to where you feel things and things vibrate or, mm-hmm. um, oh, you know, I see. so, so there's different simulation is simulation, whether mm-hmm. it's us sitting and talking about a case study, we're still simulating the thought process and the critical thinking in our minds and, and discussing the scenarios, mm-hmm. whether it's a mannequin, you know, in, in a, in a skills lab, or you know, we used to bring in someone's husband to play the patient and they had a script and, and yeah. yeah. So there's different ways. Simulation is a proven uh, educational uh, way to learn yeah. and VR and the different types of, of reality are just new um, different uh, ways to, to do it and think about it. And, and, you know, in the, literature that it's been proven um, it's supported by um, our nursing organizations and you know there's so many colleges of nursing schools of nursing that are that are starting to use this Ohio State mm-hmm. um, just uh, announced uh, not too long ago that they were doing a big um, virtual reality, investment in their simulation department and, and across the country we're seeing it as well and across the world. Yeah, we are. And, and AI, artificial intelligence is not going away, like I said earlier. And AI is affecting everything. Like when you talk to Siri, you know, on your iPhone or you talk to Alexa, you know, those are those are AIs. And when you call most any company and you're you're asking questions of this voice that comes on the phone with you. Um, That's an AI, it's a bot. And, you know, I work with all my coaching clients now when we're creating resumes, we have to create them for an AI because the AI is actually going to scan them for keywords. And so, you know, it's affecting all parts of our lives and and it is more and more part of healthcare as well. So there's, there's really no escape. So we do have to accept that it's part of it, but I don't personally picture, you know, AI kind of stealing nurses jobs to any 
enormous extent anytime soon. Do you? No, absolutely not. Yeah. And and I, I I was listening to well, I think it was your uh, webinar that you did yesterday. Oh yeah. And and you made a really great point where you said nursing is never going to not need human touch, mm-hmm. but there's ways to use technology to enhance it. Technology is just a tool. Yeah. An IV pump is technology, right? It, it's there to make our lives better and to improve patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, whether it's a piece of software that helps um, get nurses through orientation faster to get them to the bedside faster, or if it's virtual reality that helps um, students be prepared quicker, better, faster, um, in a more comfortable, less threatening way, whatever it is, they're just tools to enhance what we do as nurses every yeah. day. So we don't really need to be afraid of it. No. Um, we can be trepidatious about it because there are some downsides too. So, you know, we have, we, we have to keep our eyes wide open as we move into this, this world that keeps getting more and more complex, let's just say technologically. So if I'm a nurse and I'm like, yeah, I'm really interested in this kind of stuff and I don't have a degree in informatics and, you know, I'm pretty good with computers and, you know, I'm pretty, I'm an easy, I'm a quick study when it comes to sitting me down in front of a new EMR or something. So I'm interested and I feel like, huh, I would like to try to figure out how do I get my foot in the door of this world and how might I actually eventually like make myself attractive enough as a candidate to land a position doing something with the sort of technological side of healthcare. So what are a couple steps someone can take to, to create this sense that they're a viable candidate for some sort of tech oriented job as a nurse? Well, the first thing I would say is you are valuable. You are enough. You do have the knowledge as a nurse that is valuable to tech companies. And you may not consider yourself a subject matter expert, but they will because a lot of times they're looking for subject matter experts just to explain, is this how a nurse would do something? Is this how you start an IV? Is mm-hmm. this, are, are these the, is this the right wording or the right phrasing when we're trying to, if you're an engineer and you're trying to develop something, does this look right? Or is the sequencing correct? Mm. So first of all, don't be afraid and, and don't let that little you know voice uh, inside your head or the little devil on your shoulder tell you that you're not uh, ready because I bet you you are. <laughs> As a nurse, you know a lot more than you give yourself credit for. Then I would get out there on the different sites, whether it be LinkedIn, um, you know, uh, Sonseal is a great organization mm-hmm. for um, the Society of Nurse um, Scientists and Innovators and Entrepreneurs. And Leaders, yeah. And Sanseal. Leaders. Yeah. Sonseal. With Rebecca Love. Love. Yeah. I love her. I saw mm-hmm. her. Um, chat yesterday. Mm -hmm. Do what I'm doing. Get out there. Look at webinars. Watch chats. Listen. Learn. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have the opportunity to read books all the time. I'm in my car. I'm driving my kids around. 
but I can listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. So listen to podcasts, find out who you are aligned with philosophically, and then follow that nurse leader. Mm -hmm. Or even if it's not a nurse, if it's someone in the tech community that you love, I listen to Star Talk. Um, because I think Neil deGrasse Tyson is a cool dude and very mm-hmm. smart, and it gets my brain thinking in a different way. Yeah. So don't just think nursing. Don't just think uh, in, in a box. Really kind of look out there and broaden it, see what you're interested in, see who your values align with. And then you know, there's micro learning courses if you want to do a little bit more brushing up on things. Mm-hmm. Um, those organizations, uh, there's health tech organizations that you can join that have education and webinars. You can get CEUs and things. So mm-hmm. all of that is self-learning. It doesn't have to be a doctorate. It doesn't have to be your DNP. Right. And it doesn't have to be a master's in informatics leadership, though you may decide that that's what you want to do. And that's fine. I would just do your due diligence first before you plunk down the $50,000 to get that degree. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it sure would be nice to have someone else pay for that degree Wouldn't while they're it? also paying you to do that job. There you go. Well, Diane, I could talk to you about this stuff all day. We do have to wrap up. And I have four quick questions I ask all my guests. And maybe you've heard these before because if you've listened to any recent episodes these last months. But are you game for four quick questions? Yes. Shoot. Okay. First one is... How do you define success personally and or professionally? Um, I think success is whatever you define it as. And for me personally, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Can I sleep at night knowing that I've made a difference in someone's life while still being there for my family and doing the things for self-care? So do I have a balanced life? That's a nice one. All right. Next, um, could you name or just describe a person who's inspired you in the course of your life? They could be living or dead. They could be famous or someone that nobody else knows at all. The person that has inspired me the most was Mother Teresa Hmm. because, you know, she was teeny tiny. I'm not very tall. Um, She was fearless. She didn't take no for an answer. She had a laser focus on what she wanted to do. She was there to really do the hard work. And she always greeted everyone with a smile. And so no matter what I've done in my life, I've really, um, I've read her books and I, and I have some of her quotes around me and um, yeah, Mother Teresa. So she's sort of a mentor to you in some respects. The philosophy, yeah. yeah. The philosophy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone you want to emulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's a nice one. Is there a book or a movie, it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite, just one that pops into your head, that's had a major impact on the way you think or the way you live your life? So I think for me, the the thing that has changed and made a major impact and opened my mind has been uh, the introduction to Buddhism. Mm. Um, I was raised Catholic, so I consider myself a Catholic Buddhist. And I came to the understanding that a lot of my 
beliefs in a holistic approach and the interconnectedness of the universe and and um, really trying to ease the suffering of of those around me is fundamentally what buddhism is um all about and so i've you know i i listen to urban dharma with uh kuzla he's a, a an american buddhist monk in california who's very very cool i love his stuff so yeah i like that yeah so you chose sort of a a philosophy rather than like one book like it could have been one of pema chodron's books or something like that right I yeah i i just i lit i read anything i can get my hands yeah. on and and what was really cool and introduced me to it was tim porter o'grady mm -hmm. and and in my dmp project um taking some of his ideas and my first degree is in sociology oh, with a minor in philosophy i would have liked that program so cool yeah so that that's what kind of led me down that path oh i see and i'm jewish and I, i've known a lot of jewish people who get into buddhism and um they generally call themselves jubus <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, there's a lot of them out there okay so one last question what's one piece of advice you'd give your 18 year old self so 18 year old diane right now whether you think she would listen or not well, she wouldn't listen. Probably not, but that's okay. <clears throat> no. Um, I think the one piece of advice is that it's going to be okay. And all the stupid mistakes and uh, dumb choices are not going to make you unsuccessful or... Um, <sighs> stop don't worry about making a mistake if it's something that you really believe in and you really feel truly uh drawn to do go ahead and do that and it'll, it'll all work out fine good maybe she'd listen i don't know perhaps <laughs> well Doubtful. thank you <laughs> thanks for being game for answering questions and um i really appreciate you reaching out to me and meeting you through linkedin and hearing about everything you do and what Zappy Med is doing. And, you know, I think this world, this tech world is becoming more complex and there's more and more moving parts. And so you're one of those people who've embraced, you know, doing it as an entrepreneur. And now you work with Zappy Med on this whole clinical competency management platform type of thing. And, you know, you've had your fingers in a lot of different pies out there in this particular space so thanks being one of those for being one of those leaders who are you know just kind of like paving the way blazing the trail for a lot of us so I, I really appreciate that and i loved having you here oh that's very kind i i i've followed you for many years and and it's oh. really been a special thrill to be able to be on this podcast and and now uh you know call you friend mm -hmm. and a colleague. And so I, I appreciate the time. Thanks, Diane. That's very kind. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this awesome episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, you can find the show notes over at nursekeith.com. Check out ZappyMed, X-A-P-I-M-E-D.com. Check out Diane Cannon. Connect with her on LinkedIn. I hope you feel uplifted, empowered, and informed from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching, 
Maybe don't look any further than nursekeith.com. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package and consider becoming a patron over on Patreon. I would love if you would consider doing that. We're a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. And we are adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. And Mark Cappiespeason is our social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I will once again leave you with this very favorite quote of mine by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents. May my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And my friend Diane Cannon saying arrivederci from Oklahoma from the great state of Oklahoma. Thank you, Diane. Thanks to everyone for listening and we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. 